from the world famous city of New Orleans, it's the Black and Blue Report. Starring Sean Kelly, producer Dan, D-Dub in the Black and Blue Orchestra, yeah. and the Benchwarmers. Today's special guests include the New Orleans Saints, the New Orleans Pelicans, and whoever else we could get to stop by. Online and worldwide, it's the Black and Blue Report. Live, sort of, from Studio B, here's Sean Kelly. How goes it? Monday edition of the Black and Blue Report. And we come to you today from Studio B at the world headquarters of the New Orleans Saints and the New Orleans Pelicans. I'm Sean Kelly, and welcome into the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. i got to tell you, I'm glad to be back in Studio B with you all today after a weekend of power washing, yard work, landscaping, you name it. So good to be uh, out of the uh, sunshine and the dirt to be with you here today to talk a little sports, specifically the NFL and the NBA today. What a weekend it was, though. Weather-wise, we all got away with a good one in New Orleans, didn't we? And the Zurich Classic wrapped up. And uh, courtesy of the New Orleans uh, Zurich Classic, we have another first-time winner on the PGA Tour. As a wonderful weekend wrapped up at the TPC of Louisiana with Sung You'll Know winning his first uh, PGA title this past weekend. Had a lot of great fun out there at the uh, TPC, and hopefully you were able to catch some of the golf that uh, put our city in the spotlight over the last four or five days. So we had Jazz Fest over the weekend, too, and uh, I'm sure everybody's probably a little worn out here on this Monday, much like yours truly. And uh, we're back at it here, of course, on the podcast with NFL Draft uh, Preview Talk and NBA Playoffs on our mind. Certainly a sad note earlier today as the NBA lost to one of its longtime greats, Dr. Jack Ramsey, a Hall of Fame coach and, of course, a broadcaster, passed away after nearly a decade and a half long battle with cancer in various forms. Uh, he will certainly be missed, and we wish all the best to, uh, of course, Dr. Jack's family, uh, his closest colleagues around the league, and the teams that he touched, notably the Blazers, of course, but not to mention the uh, Pacers, too, the Miami Heat, and others. So, sad day today with regard to that, and we mark that moment in time here this morning. And we'll also celebrate the NBA with three more games in the playoffs tonight. How about that? Miami can eliminate Charlotte tonight in Game 4 of that series. Atlanta at Indiana with the series tied at 2-2. And so a driver's seat game on tap there in Game 5 of that series. And then a dandy in the West. San Antonio at Dallas. And look at the Mavericks. They lead that series two games to one. And they're home tonight. And certainly a win for Dallas tonight would put them in the catbird seat with regard to their first-round matchup against the number one-seeded San Antonio Spurs. So we've got those things on our plate today. And with regard to that San Antonio-Dallas game tonight, we're going to talk to the radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein, get his thoughts on what's going on in that series and the NBA playoffs in general. And then with regard to the NFL draft, which, gosh, is coming up, it's a week from Thursday, we'll get up to our uh, 21st pick in the first round. And our NFL draft series continues with Vic Ketchman, from Packers.com. We'll get uh, his thoughts not only on the Packers, but uh, how the first round may shake out. You may be surprised at some of the things that he has to say as we continue that series here this morning. Daniel Sallerson's our producer. He's here with me in Studio B, and we're set to go with our two guests today on the Black and Blue Report. And we'll continue with a little NBA talk and Chuck Cooperstein after these messages.
Don't want to miss out on any of the action? Get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus, get text messages with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans Mobile Alerts. Visit Pelicans.com for information on these great features, plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Here's a valuable lesson I've learned as an Intergy customer. Saving energy saves you money. And the online videos at EntergySavings.com show you how. A few simple projects can make a big difference in your bill. In just a few hours, I knocked my monthly bill down by 20%. It was easy. From caulking windows to programming your thermostat, the Intergy videos walk you through it. Visit EntergySavings.com and start saving today. That's the power of people. Intergy. This is Pelicans guard Brian Roberts, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Well, the NBA playoffs continue tonight, and boy, there's a dandy over at the American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas, 8.30 Central Time tonight. It is game four between the Mavericks and the Spurs, and we're delighted here this morning to have the radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein, join us on the Black and Blue Report. Well, 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 Chuck, how about this? 2-1 Mavericks going into game four. Yeah, and given how the Mavericks struggled against Antonio going into the series, having lost nine in a row, two of them had lost uh, seven straight in San Antonio, basically have been bludgeoned by them uh, to find themselves in this position uh, is a little bit surprising. Although, you know, you, you watch how game one played out, and obviously the Mavericks had a chance to win that game up by 10 with 7.45 to go. And then, you, you know, you see what's happened since then, and it's like, well, maybe it isn't that much of a surprise that the series is where it is right now because the Mavericks have really upped their game, and only, I think, in game three has San Antonio finally gotten to the level that we expect them to play at, which now sets the stage for you know however many games are left in the series, which should all be just as crazy as what we saw Saturday afternoon. I know you're going to be a little uh, subjective about this, um, but let me just throw this out there to start. If if San Antonio gets up to Dallas and wins tonight, evens that series at 2-2, uh, am I being alarmist and thinking that the Mavericks are in trouble? Yeah, I mean, I, well, in, in deep trouble, no. But you, you clearly you'd have to be concerned because you know, you, you're going to have to go back to San Antonio and try to win again. Having said that, I mean, the Mavericks are 20-10 and 10 on the road since December 23rd. They've been one of the best road teams in the league since then. So I, I don't think that they will be – petrified at the prospect of having to go to San Antonio. I, the bigger concern would be just that San Antonio has found itself and they have raised their level of play. And when they have done that, when they have played at a particular level, it has been really hard for the Mavericks to answer that. That would be the thing that would concern me most rather than simply the fact that San Antonio would have two of the possible three games at home. On the flip side, if Dallas wins tonight, they're clearly in great position to win the series. Uh, and Dirk Nowitzki has been the focal point of the Spurs' defense. Can Dallas go ahead and keep winning in this series if Nowitzki is held under 20 points and has to defer like he's done so well to his teammates? Well, it's hard to imagine, but you know, as opposed to the Spurs role players, who really, other than Leonard and Splitter in Game 3, have been pretty much invisible 
So if you look at what Devin Harris has done, and you look, you know, Sean Marion, yeah, he's a starter, but you don't expect him to score 20. And he did score 20 in game two. And, you know, Harris in the first two games, and Carter obviously hitting the shot of shots. Uh, Brandon Wright had a 10-point game uh, in game one and, and has played really well off the bench. You know, both of these teams are designed to go 9 and 10 deep. And you'd have to say that so far the in the series, the Mavericks ancillary players have played better than the Spurs ancillary players. And that's what Popovich was talking about yesterday. You know, I need more out of Danny Green. I need more out of Bellinelli. I need more out of Diaw. You know, they're really not getting very much from those guys right now. And it's really affecting, I think, uh, uh, the Spurs rotations, the substitution pattern. Uh, you know, Tony Parker has been uh, almost uh, held uh, – rendered meaningless in the second half of games in the first three, which you would not expect after the way he started all three of these games. So, um, you know, there's uh, there's a lot going on here, but there's ultimately not a lot that is, uh, is really uh, separating these teams. The one thing that could change it, though, Sean, is if Dirk does get going. You know, it looked like Dirk might get going in game three. He hit his first two shots. They got it to him early. He got rid of it fast. And, you know, he shot the ball well, ultimately, but he only took 13 shots. You know, he's not taken more than uh, 14 shots. Oh, he took, well, I guess he took, what, 19 in game two, but he was seven for his last 13. So, you know, I can define him shots, and good shots is really the key moving forward here. Otherwise, they're going to have to rely on Ellis and Calderon and Harris uh, to take advantage of the high screen and roll and the unwillingness, if you will, of the the big to either drop off to that guy or the other big to come on up and, and prevent that shot from taking place. You know, if, if the Mavericks continue to make that shot, they have a heck of a chance to win the series. You and I have talked about this before, Coop. Uh, Chuck Cooperstein with us, by the way, on the Black and Blue Report. Coop, you and I have talked, oh, I don't know, several times about veteran leadership and what that means to NBA teams. Um, and while there are some teams out there that are being carried by veterans and are impacting series, are there any other series that are more highly impacted right now than Spurs Mavericks with regard to veteran leadership? Uh, hard to see it. I mean, when you look yeah. at Dirk's been in the league 16 years, Sean Mary's been in the league 15 years, Devin Harris been in the league 10 years, Jose Calderon, Mateos, nine years. Uh, you know, on the other side, you know, Duncan, 17 years, Parker, 13 years, Ginobili, 12 years. And it's interesting because then you look at a guy like Danny Green, who has blown really hot and cold and was great in the finals last year, had that incredible run you know, games, the game three and game five. Uh, but, you know, just you don't know what you're going to get out of him. So it, at this time of the year, it is about veterans. And it is about uh, those who have uh, hardened skin because they've gone through it. Uh, that really tells the tale. And ultimately, one of these hardened teams is going to lose. I just don't know who it is yet. When you look at, at, at veterans and who have been through so many different scenarios, is it hard to fathom, whether it's Carter's shot the other night or the fact that the Spurs find themselves in this 2-1 situation? I, I just don't see, you know, a lot of times you'll see a team panic or not be able to handle it. This is one of those series, Coop, that you may need, uh, you know, 10 games to really decide it because I don't think you, you put one team or the other at a certain disadvantage in this situation. Uh, and that's a great point, uh, just that each game really is its own self-contained entity. It, yeah, I mean, we all look for threads that go through the first few games.
games in the series, but ultimately you know, every game is played differently and every game is executed differently. And you know, that ultimately determines who wins and who loses. Uh, you know, this series in a lot of ways is reminding me of the Mavericks' first series in 2006, you know, at least through three games. You know, the first game, the Mavericks lost by two in San Antonio. Uh, Stackhouse had a chance to win it in the corner and he didn't. Uh, you know, there was just, it was a low scoring, you know, uh, hard playing, uh, defensive oriented game. The Mavericks came out in game two, destroyed San Antonio. That's when they put Devin Harris in the starting lineup. And they really never looked back from that going all the way to the finals. Uh, ultimately, game three was a crazy game uh, where Jason Terry hit a bunch of shots late. The execution by both teams' offenses was off the charts. And, you know, I think we're, we're at the point now, Sean, where the, where the series has been established. And now, you know, the intensity, if it's possible to be ratcheted up even higher, uh, does do that right now. Uh, and as a result, you just see things that you just can't imagine seeing, but you know you're going to. Let's get your thoughts on the playoffs in general. I think one of the hardest things for NBA fans is that the first round across the board takes a long time to play out, but yet it seems like we've all been rewarded here, Coop, by fantastic series across the board. There are so many great storylines and series that are highly competitive that it does make it okay to drag this thing out as long as it's going. Yeah, especially in the West. You know, we talked all year about how much better the West was than the East. And that, uh, you know, it would be a shame that a team ultimately like Phoenix didn't qualify for the playoffs despite, uh, you know, winning 48 games. Uh, and it's really been borne out here in the first round. I mean, even, you know, the, the Rockets, uh, the Rockets uh, Portland series, that's 3 1. We missed, you know, three overtime games. All of them have been just spectacular. Uh, all of them actually have had pretty much the same script, uh, kind of a tortoise and hare thing. With the, with the Rockets racing out to double-digit leads and ultimately having double-digit leads in the fourth quarter that they can't hold, uh, either because of their own sloppiness and handling the ball or the fact that they don't make free throws. And then uh, you have uh, LaMarcus Aldridge playing at a ridiculously high level and some just incredible shot-making uh, that's, that's been going on and some, some pretty uh, impressive defense as well, whether it's Aldridge's block on Howard last night at the rim uh, or Wesley Matthews, uh, you know, doing what he did against Harden. I mean, it's uh, it's really been phenomenal to watch. Although I have to say, Sean, I'm not really so surprised at what's going on in that series because if you consider uh, Lamarcus Aldridge and uh, the position he plays, who's coaching him, uh, Terry Stotts, and consider that you know the Mavericks own Houston, okay, and Dirk in particular owns Houston. Dirk had seven games of 30 or more this year. Three of them came against Houston. That power forward position, that stretch four, is something that the Rockets have had a really, really difficult time dealing with. And the only difference between Aldridge and Dirk, offensively anyway, is that Dirk shoots threes and Aldridge doesn't. Uh, but it's a phenomenal series. And, you know, the, the Clippers and the Warriors, even with all the uh, off-the-court nonsense uh, aside, just you know, watching Stephen Curry explode at the beginning of the game like he did yesterday in game four was was absolutely amazing the end of game one all, all the stuff that was going on there just incredible to watch the end of game three i, I mean it really are you kidding me and uh and and you know the other series as well i mean oklahoma city and memphis playing three overtime games and so it's uh it, it's just really you know high quality stuff that's going on here in the west and you know the east has had their moments too but uh you know we know miami's going to take out charlotte you knew that going in and Washington's 
somewhat of a surprise, uh, even though the, we knew they were playing well at the end of the year. But the Chicago's really struggling to score, and that and that's hurting them. And uh, you know, Toronto and Brooklyn's a, it's a boring series, just fun style of play. But you knew it was going to be close, and it's pretty much played out that way. So there you go. I mean, it's uh, it's it, it has certainly delivered the goods for everybody. Yeah, and if you look at the East and say, okay, Miami's clearly the team that can come out of that whole thing. But if you just focus in on the West, Coop, after the, the bludgeoning that's been going on here in round one in the West, is there any team in particular, Chuck, that can come out of round one and see the rest of the way is easier than what they had to face in the first two weeks of the postseason? Uh, I, I don't think legitimately you can, although, you know, I guess you know, San Antonio – if, if they had to play Houston, they would have nothing to do with Houston <laughs> uh, because they hadn't beaten Houston all year. Uh, you know, the, the, the Mavericks won twice against both Houston and Portland, uh, although one of those games with Portland was the game the Mavericks had a 30-point lead, lost the lead, and then had to rally to win, which is just insane. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to get harder uh, just because – you're you're exerting so much energy just to get through this first round that uh, you know you you hope you have something left the rest of the way and that may be a team like Miami's biggest advantage going forward because you know assuming they they win here against Charlotte and they they win tonight they sweep uh, they're going to get a week off and then you know whether they're playing uh, uh, Toronto or or uh, Brooklyn in the second round. Uh, you know, the fact is that Toronto and Brooklyn are going at least six. They're probably going to go seven, and they're going to kill each other because that series has been a really physical series. Miami's not had to worry about that so far. So, you know, it, it's setting up for them, you know, pretty well regardless. And then, you know, whoever they might play in the conference finals, I mean, those teams are all flawed. I mean, they're all really flawed, although, you know, Washington's playing really well right now, but can you really trust them if they even got to that point, which I don't know if they can yeah, I think that's a great point. Have a great call tonight. We're going to be watching. I'm going to enjoy every bit of it. And uh, and I probably won't have the same blood pressure as you down the stretch of the game just because of you're working and I'm not. <laughs> hey, I'm calm. I'm one calm dude right now. What is making you so calm when you have those finishes <laughs> like that? I, I did say that facetiously with my fingers crossed. Uh, good man, good man. <laughs> Coop, always great to talk to you, whether it be NFL or NBA. And, uh, again, have a great call tonight. And we'll be uh, touching base with you, I'm sure, in the next couple of weeks as the Mavericks, uh, I don't want to say surprise anybody, but certainly show uh, how strong not only the West is, but the Southwest Division is as well. Appreciate it, Sean. Thanks a lot. You, you bet. Chuck Cooperstein, radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks, with us here on the Black and Blue Report on this Monday. And we'll continue right after this. Okay, you've just been told you have a serious heart issue. Congestive heart failure, a valve problem, a complex rhythm disorder. Now what? At Auctioner, we suggest you take a moment and do some research. When you do, you'll find Auctioner Medical Center has the only heart program in the region ranked among the nation's best by U.S. News & World Report. We routinely treat the most complex cases with revolutionary procedures such as surgical and non-surgical valve replacements and the total artificial heart. And we have the largest, most comprehensive program for treating arrhythmias in the Gulf South, offering options not available elsewhere in the region. 
At the end of the day, the most important thing to hear is, I just saw your test results and they look great. No problems. Leading edge care. Just one more reason to choose an auctioner affiliated physician. For an appointment, visit auctioner.org or call 1-866-AUCTIONER. That's O-C-H-S-N-E-R. Auctioner. Healthcare with peace of mind. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly. Welcome back to the program. Time to uh, continue our NFL Draft Preview Series. And with that, we head up to Wisconsin this morning and check in with the Green Bay Packers, who will pick 21st overall in the first round. And to help us out with that, of course, is Vic Ketchman from Packers.com. Vic, good morning. Good morning, Sean. Greetings from New Orleans, where it's about double in temperature, what you have there in Green Bay today. Yeah, sometime around Memorial Day, we'll start, uh, it'll start look like summer, but not right now. Summer will at least uh, start to feel that way if we, if we can get past the draft, which has now pushed its mm-hmm. way into May. Um, tell me a little bit about the Packers offseason. What have they been able to do with free agency that's of note? Well, they did more in free agency than they traditionally do. They signed Julius Peppers, which was, I think, I think it caught everyone by surprise. Uh, basically, they signed him to a pretty pricey one-year deal. If, if it turns out that he has left his game in the past, you know, if he's too old to be the player that he has been, uh, they can get out of the deal uh, next year. But I think they believe that he can perform something, a function for them, that um, uh, has been lacking in Dom Capers' kind of 3-4 zone blitz scheme. They, they haven't had the playmakers at the linebacker positions other than Clay Matthews. And uh, I, I think they have a pretty, a pretty sexy plan for uh, how to use Julius Peppers. They also signed, um, re-signed Sam Shields. Uh, who had blossomed as their shutdown corner last year. Uh, so retaining him really um, was a big deal for them because it eliminated uh, cornerback as a pressing need, which it would have become had they lost Shields in uh, free agency. They signed Latroy Guyon from uh, Minnesota and re-signed B.J. Raji. Two nose tackles. Uh, so that kind of addresses that issue and they're they're left with some distinct needs at positions but um by and large those are on defense they 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 are returning a a very formidable offense of course led by Aaron Rodgers let's stay with the defense for a moment 24th last year in opponents passing yards 25th on the run did they address enough in free agency on the defensive side of the football, or is that where things lie with regard to the draft coming up in May? Well, I think they still have to do. Uh, they they have to focus their attention on defense in the draft. Now, re-signing Sam Shields should allow them to move Micah Hyde, who played corner as a rookie last year and was very good, but he might be a better safety. It would allow them to, I believe, move Micah Hyde to safety. That's the expectation. Uh, there is a belief that he can be a uh, very good safety, and the Packers need help at safety. I think they'll also draft for that position, too, although the word is that it's not a good safety class this year. Um, I think they have need at linebacker 
I think they have pressing need at inside linebacker. I've heard names from ranging from C.J. Mosley, if he was to fall to number 21, uh, to Ryan Shazier of uh, Ohio State. Um, so they, um, I, you know, I, I think that could be a position that they might hit in the first round. They have needed tight end uh, at this point. They have not re-signed Jermichael Finley, who had that neck injury last season that could end up uh, ending his career. We don't know yet. Uh, there's, there's still, I guess, more recovery necessary, proof of recovery necessary there. I, I think they have needed wide receiver. They lost James Jones, but it's not a pressing need. It could be a down-the-line need because they, ha- they returned Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb. Uh, and they have need for a center, but they also have flexibility on their offensive line to move one of their guards uh, to center. So if 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 you were to ask me where are the pressing needs, I would say uh, num- first and foremost, inside linebacker. Vic, it sounds to me that from the way you speak that the Packers will be in that school of thought of we have to draft for a specific need as opposed to best player available, which you may find teams lower down in the draft. You know, Sean, there, there is no best available player or needs picking anymore. Everyone is doing the same thing. Hmm. They are targeting players and they are fitting themselves to the pick instead of fitting the pick to where they are. There were 24 trades in the first 62 picks last year. Everybody is in the same boat because nobody wants to reach for a guy in the salary cap era because that means overpaying him and wasting cap room. So everybody has the same need. They need, they need help to establish trade relations because they need to move to where their guy fits. Uh, there's just the whole, BA, the whole best available player versus needs thing is, is antiquated. It's, uh, those days are gone. Everybody is doing the same thing. They are going to where the player they have targeted fits, and teams are willing uh, to help each other uh, get to those places now. It's interesting. You're, you're, you're really the first, Vic, to, to kind of hit on that, um, and, I, and in a lot of ways I agree with you. And, and it does speak to all the trade movement you spoke of. Do you expect maybe we'll see as much movement with regard to people changing picks or making moves this year's draft? see more. Uh, the, 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 the trading this year is going—it's going to get—it's going to get more and more every year. I mean, we got the Texans are looking to get out of the number one hole. Uh, teams that are one player away—the Falcons, for example—think they might be one player away. They might be if if if, if Clowney is a is a home run kind of a guy, home run pick. Uh, they want to move up. A team like the Texans that is in, that are who are in rebuilding need multiple picks. They want to move down and get extra picks. Um, we know these teams are targeting players because they're, we know who's visiting them. I mean, why would you bring players in for a visit if you're just going to indiscriminately pick from the top of your board whoever the guy is? They have targeted. Teams are targeting players. They say, I like this guy. This guy is a really good player. He addresses a need. Okay, now where does he fit on our board and where do we have to go uh, to make him uh, to justify what we're going to pay him, I, 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 so I think we're just—I th- I just think we're making way too much out of this needs best available player thing anymore. Everybody is doing the same thing. 
um, they are they are trying to make value and need meet. The Saints have been one of those teams that have been able to find great value in undrafted free agents or yep. lesser known players further down in the draft. That's because you've got a great college scouting director, Rick Reeves. It's worked out well. Where would you say the Packers fall in that ability to make that happen? Oh, the Packers are great in undrafted free agency. Um, I wish I had that. I'm going to pull a Jim Harbaugh on you and tell you, I don't have that list in front of me right now. But but (laughs) they have have done great late in the draft. They have done great in undrafted free agency. They just lost a guy. Evan Dietrich Smith, a center to the Bucks. He was he was uh, acquired in uh, they, the Packers acquired him in undrafted free agency, and then four years later, he gets a big buck with the Bucks. Uh, the, you know the Packers thing is they take care of their salary cap. They are vigilant about it, and they are not going to overpay for a guy. They they challenge themselves to replace players and they use all forms for it available to them. Vic Ketchman with us from Packers.com. Hey, Vic, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about the schedule, which is now out uh, before I let you go. I'm looking at that road game at Seattle to open the regular season. What else about the Packers' schedule strengths you? Uh, the first half is in, the first half of their schedule is an endurance test. If they can survive uh, to, uh, to get to the second half of their schedule, they can get hot. The, the four of the first five games in the second half of their season are at home. Uh, it's a favorable finishing schedule. It's the kind of finishing schedule that can launch a team into the playoffs. Interesting. And, of course, we'll see you guys here on Sunday, October the 26th in New Orleans when the Packers mm-hmm. come calling. That should be a dandy. It's right before the bye week for the Packers as well. Vic Ketchman from Packers.com with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Good stuff today, Vic. I appreciate your insight. Thanks, Sean. Good luck to the Packers. Well, sort of. Okay. (laughs) Good luck to them other than the October 26th date, that's for sure. We'll be right back after these messages. is all across Louisiana with cash jackpots starting at $250,000. That's a whole lot of cash. And right now, it's a lot more fun. Lotto Lanyard. Buy a $5 single draw lotto ticket. Get a raffle entry to win up to $50,000. Lotto Lanyard. A lot more cash and a lot more fun. Must be at least 21 to purchase. There's no better time to join your Pelicans as we take flight. All-star Anthony Davis is taking his team to the next level, and the Pelicans are soaring to new heights. 2014-15 season tickets are on sale now and start at less than $300, with lower bowl options as low as $37 per game. Season ticket benefits include the best seat locations, discounts on concessions, and much more. Take flight with the Pelicans. For more info, call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com today. Pelicans.com and NewOrleansSaints.com. Your first stop when following your teams. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report here from Studio B at the headquarters of the Saints and the Pelicans. Don't forget you can follow our show on Twitter at Black Blue Report. You can also follow me at Sean Kelly Live. As we continue this week's programs, we'll, we'll finish up our NFL Draft Preview Series 
as we turn the corner to next week in the NFL draft, and we'll keep our eye on the NBA playoffs. Got some news here this morning, some great news uh, at the facility. The news that Mr. Tom Benson, the owner of the Saints and the Pelicans, has made a $5 million donation to uh, Team Gleason. That uh, money is going to go toward the Team Gleason House for Innovative Living. It's going to try and cover uh, most of the annual operating expenses in an endowment form, allowing 18 ALS patients to uh, to live closer to home but yet be somewhat self-sufficient. And, of course, technology is a big player in this facility. And Mr. Benson's very generous donation today of $5 million to a Team Gleason House for Innovative Living will go a long way in making sure that happens. In, a, in an off-season full of news, and most of it surrounding, of course, the draft and free agency, this might be my favorite story yet. And I hope this grows, and I hope that uh, Steve Gleason's a dream of having a facility like this in every NFL city gets jump-started here by Mr. Benson's donation. It's a fantastic story, not only on a feel-good, in a feel-good sense, but certainly in the sense that ex-players and organizations can work together for the betterment of everybody in the league and their communities. So hats off to Mr. Benson today, and of course a continued hug and tip of the cap to Steve Gleason, his wife Michelle, and their ongoing efforts with the uh, No White Flags scenario with regard to the Team Gleason Foundation. So that's big news, and that's what I wanted to end with today. It is the best note of the day, and again, what I think is one of the best notes here in this NFL offseason. So with that, we'll say thanks to Vic Ketchman from Packers.com, Chuck Cooperstein of the Dallas Mavericks for being a part of our show today, and of course, thanks to you for listening. We'll see you right back here tomorrow, sometime afternoon central for No Appointment Radio, the Black and Blue Report, a podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans, and from Studio B in New Orleans, I'm Sean Kelly. So long for just a while. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report.